Church, here we are again in this space. The space where we get to praise the Lord and pray together and worship. And doesn't it feel like weeks and days just go by faster? Especially the older that you get. I feel like it was just yesterday that we were in this space together, worshiping and praying together. But how many people know that no matter how, how fast time goes for us, a lot can happen in one week. It reminds me of the story of Jesus when he's riding on the donkey and he's going into Jerusalem. And there are people waving palm leaves at him and celebrating him and saying, Hosanna in the highest, right? And who could have predicted that in a week's time, the same people who were praising him were the same people that turned their backs on him, betrayed him, and ultimately killed him. And Jesus is like, I'm pretty sure I predicted that um, several times in the Bible, right? But there are some of you who are coming into the space again a week later. And you've definitely had a week. Um, a week of loss. A week of frustration. A week of betrayal and heartbreak and loneliness. So let me be the first to tell you I'm so sorry if that's you. I am so sorry that you've had a week of betrayal, that you've had a week of loneliness, that you've had a week of stress and frustration. I am so sorry. But can I challenge you with something? Challenge us, us challenging myself with something. We know that life can be so chaotic. We know that life can be so catastrophic, right? That's a huge word, maybe a little traumatic, but sometimes that's how it feels to us. But in the middle of the stress, in the middle of the chaos, can we be a church that says God is still good? Can we be that church? Can we be a church that doesn't need a space to rally around somebody and look at them and say, God is still faithful? Can we be a church that has a spirit of camaraderie and we're all in common unity, bringing each other in to experience Christ? I believe that's our future here at the Shores. I believe that we are going to love so well and accept people so well that when people in our community look at us specifically and our church as a whole, they're going to look, look at us and say, that's where Jesus lives. So this morning, just know that you are so welcome here. And no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you did, we accept you here and we love you because Jesus loves you. Will you pray with me? Lord, we're in this place again, God. We're here again. We're stressed again. We're sad again. We're lonely again. Jesus, will you meet us in this place? Will you meet us right here? Will you speak to us so strongly and lead us with fervor and unwavering? Jesus, we just pray that you give us the spirit of unity. You help love and accept any and all who walk through our doors. Just as you accepted us, Jesus. 
Let your Holy Spirit have his way this morning. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You know, sometimes it's like writing a book, right? How many people have ever written something and you try so carefully to write it down in your journal and you want it to look so neat? You're working so hard on, on your penmanship and all of a sudden you accidentally what? You accidentally smear the ink and it gets on your hand, it gets on your shirt, it gets in your clothes and you just want to throw in the towel. But we know that in scripture, God is the author and perfecter of our faith. So even if you're somebody who's smeared with ink and have stains all over with many mistakes, can I just say this, that your story is still worth reading. Let me say that again. Your story is still worth re reading. Why? Because Jesus is with you. It might not be a New York Times bestseller, but you have value and you have purpose. So welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. Um, this morning, I don't have like a structured message or a formal message for you. So I don't have like those three points for you to walk away with. But can I promise you this? It might seem like it might be all over the place, but I can, can I promise you this? That this message is for you specifically. Whoops. This message, I'm slamming my fist. This message is for you specifically. I'm not saying, when I say you, I'm not talking about the whole church in the general, in general, but you sitting on that chair, sitting at the kitchen ta table, sitting on the couch, this message is for you. Um, and I think in this season that we're coming off of, right, the season of racial tension, political climate, disease, vaccines, and gender identity, it's been stressful, Right? And God is moving us into a new season. So what I think re we really need as a church and as a family and a team is just an open and real conversation of who Jesus is to me and who he should be to you. So I invite you today to join the conversation. Join this talk with me. Like, I don't want to just preach at you. I want to open up this dialogue about life. So if you're online and you see that chat, why don't you why don't you throw in the chat any prayer requests you have, how you're doing, um, where you're at, what you're struggling with, whatever it is, I want you to be a part of this conversation. And I just want to dialogue with some of my favorite people on this planet. So let me start with the story. Um... If you don't know me, I absolutely love Chick-fil-A. Like, it's obsessive almost. It's so bad that I think about Chick-fil-A. Like, I crave Chick-fil-A. I dream about Chick-fil-A. And you're like, no way. There's no way you dream about Chick-fil-A. <laughs> if you saw my dreams, you would think otherwise. But I love Chick-fil-A. So here I am, I go to Chick-fil-A and I get the usual, right? The spicy chicken sandwich with waffle fries, a lemonade, and Polynesian sauce on the side. I love it so much. So I do what any faithful Christian does when they're consuming the Lord's chicken. I post it on my Snapchat story, right? So I took a picture, I put it on there, said, good to be home, put it on my story. Um, 
And my friend who shall not be named because I don't want to embarrass them, Blake Bartarian, um, he has the audacity to swipe up on my story and comment on it and say something pretty heretical. Are you ready? This is what he said to me after I posted this gorgeous, beautiful picture of Chick-fil-A. He said, are you ready? It's just a chicken sandwich. What? Just a chicken? You got to be kidding me. This is a joke, right? And you're probably like, man, what does this have to do with Jesus? What does this have to do with the Bible? Nothing, nothing at all. I just, I, I'm just so angry about it. I want to share with you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to tie it in. It's a joke. Relax. No, but seriously, he comments, it's just a chicken sandwich. So I did what everybody should do. I blocked him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just stopped talking for him for two weeks. But uh, listen, Take it from an ex-Chick-fil-A employee who literally worked for only one day. That's not a joke. It's a true story. He only worked for Chick-fil-A for one day. But listen, Chick-fil-A has some of the greatest ingredients. Are you ready? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start. I'm going to tell you the story of how a Chick-fil-A sandwich is made. I got to see how the sausage is made. Um, it's chicken in this case, but it goes like this, right? They start with real 100% chicken breast, the best and high quality meat that you can get. Hand breaded in the homemade batter, fry it in a state of the art pressure fryer, and then top it with two quality pickles and a toasted bun. Man, I gotta stop because I'm making myself hungry and Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday, but, um. The best part is obviously all those things I read off really creepily and awkward for you probably are just so uncomfortable right now and I'm sorry, but that's how I feel about Chick-fil-A. But listen, the best part of the about the Chick-fil-A experience is the service, right? I want you to find me a better restaurant, a better fast food place with better service. You can't. It's impossible. They're constantly saying my pleasure. I mean, come on, what's better than that? Now apply this to your own life. The creator of the universe made you with the highest quality ingredient there is, and it's called love. Listen, Popeyes couldn't do it. Wendy's couldn't do it. You can't replicate something that's real. All you cauliflower pizza crust lovers, listen, your pizza is trash, right? Because everybody knows you can't replace real quality pizza. And that's the same thing with our God. You can try to replicate joy. You can try and replicate love. You can try and replicate peace and rest with all of the things that this world has to offer. But in reality, you can only find those things in Jesus. Can I get an amen? Take a look at 1 John 4 verses 7 through 12. Um, I know the youth has heard me talk about this verse a lot of times, but this is our boy, John, right? Jesus is best friend. He's outcast. He's all alone on this island and he's isolated. And it says this, beloved, let us love one another for love comes from God. And whoever is, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not know God or does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into this world so that we might live through him. In this, love 
Not that we have loved, but that God loved us and sent his son for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. If you don't love, you don't know God. I think we as a culture, we misidentify what love is. Listen, everyone deserves and wants love. There's no doubt about it. But if we have a false pretense on what love it really is, then we will try and find it and replicate it somewhere else. We try to find it in people where we put all our eggs in a basket, right? We all follow people. We all love people. We try to find it in our spouse, in our boyfriend, girlfriend, friendship, wherever it is. We try to find it in sex. We think the best place to find it is sexual, um, sexual sin, pornography, gender identity, and everything else in between it. But in reality, the only way to find it is in Jesus. Do you want to hear what love really is? Let me give you the actual definition of what love is. It's something that everyone has memorized. Kids know it by song. People put it on signs at the ball games. It's John 3.16. And it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's the true definition of love. And it seems so elementary, right? But it's so true. Someone in this room, people who are watching this right now, has to go back to the basics and realize that love starts with grace. We see the story of creation. God creates the heavens and the earth and he makes living creatures, the plants, the water, the trees, the sky, everything, right? And he gives us free will. So we fall into sin and now creation is subject to sin. We tried to replicate ways to be forgiven and find grace and it isn't working. So God sent his son, Jesus, the reincarnate of God. All it means is God put skin and bone on, right? So we can walk on this earth to die for our sins. He became the ultimate sacrifice, being beaten, whipped, mocked, spit on. They gave him a crown of thorns. And then when they nailed him to the cross, they stole his clothes and money. They really did that. But we know the story doesn't end there. Jesus rose from the grave and one day he's coming back for his bride, conquering death. That's what love is, my friend. That's all love is. And if we can't grasp onto that truly, then we will fail to understand who Jesus really is. We will. And we get caught up in legalism and we get confused. And some of us are really confused on what sin really is, right? It's actually quite simple. Sin is separation from God. So let's take this mug, right? And let's take this Bible, right? And pretend that God is the Bible and we're this mug. Sin is literally just separation from God. And some of you are in this, or watching this and you're like, man, oh man, there's a huge distance between me and God, right? Same here, same here, right? Because we all make mistakes and we all fall short of the glory of God. So we create this distance from God because God can't be around sin. So you are pushing yourself away from the Lord. But that's where Jesus came in. Pretend my keys, right? The key of life. No, I'm just kidding. It's just the same thing that's on the table. Pretend this is Jesus. Jesus 
puts himself in the middle between us and God. He puts himself in the middle and he stands in the gap and he intercedes for us. And his grace pulls us closer to God. And if that didn't make sense to you, how many people are archery people in this house, right? With the bow and arrow, right? In archery terms, sin means to miss the mark. So how many people were those kids in sport, including me? I was these, this guy that just kicks the dirt around, picks up the grass, looking at the trees and the clouds. I was that kid in sports. Obviously, you can tell I wasn't very good at sports. But if you're somebody who's trying to hit a mark with the bow and arrow and you're looking around and you're not paying attention and you let go, you're going to miss. Sin in archery means to miss the mark. And in our lives, when we sin and we're not close to God, we're going to miss the mark. And that's where some of us are at. But with God's grace, it helps us realign to where God wants us to go and we focus on Jesus and we hit the mark, right? Not because of our own doing, not because of what we did, but because of grace. Take a look at Romans 14, 17. And it says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Listen, Jesus' goal, all of Jesus' goal is to make us as righteous as he is. We can't get there on our own accord. So how do we get there? It starts with obedience, and obedience starts with surrender. And surrender starts at the place where Jesus calls you out of. Do you remember that place? Do you remember the place where you gave your heart to Christ? I remember mine. February 2012, I was at Rock Church, and that's where he called me out of. I came there trying to cause trouble, trying to make fun of the people there, and the Lord called my name. Do you remember what state you were in? Sadness, anger, frustration, brokenness, and Jesus pulled us out of there. And listen, if you haven't made that decision, maybe today can be the place where God is calling you out of. But it starts with that surrender. And we have to understand that Jesus doesn't just improve parts of our life. He gives you an entirely new life through grace. Man, if I were to, if I were to give this message a title, it would have to be back to the basics. Because there are some of us in here that has forgotten all of these things. There are some of us in here who have gotten so tall, so high, that you're thinking that you can't come down because if you make a mistake, people are going to look at you as weak and not a leader. Can I just say something really quick? And this isn't even my, my notes, but I feel like somebody needs to hear this, that somebody is waiting for you to lead. Remember when we were talking about our story, we are talking about writing it down and all smeared. Somebody needs to read that. Somebody needs to hear that. Somebody needs for you to step up and become the leader God has called you to be. And it starts right here. It starts right here with grace and love and forgiveness. He doesn't just improve parts of our lives. Like I said, he gives us a new life. So you don't have to worry about things in your past because God is making you new. Behold, a new creation is being formed. And it's all about grace. Paul talks about living a blameless life, right? In Philippians chapter 2. He talks about how you need to live a blameless life. And let me make something clear when you read this. Living a blameless life doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean that you're never going to make a mistake again. Living a blameless life, all that means is now you operate your life in grace. And that's where obedience starts too. 
and you want to be obedient with God, it starts right here. I think we have a common misconception about what obedience is. I think some of us are like, God, let me be obedient to you. Let me give you everything. Let have my finances, have my life. Have, let me be a missionary so far off in dangerous countries in Africa, in Michigan, and, or, 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 or anywhere, right? In Africa, in China, in Vietnam, all these places. And that's fine. That's great. I'm glad that some of you are praying those prayers. But obedience really starts with surrender. Right? God gave his life for you. God died on the cross for all of your sins. And here's the best part. There's no taking back the cross. Right? It's not something that Jesus has to come back every single year and do. One and done. It is finished. Right? He died for all sins. Your past, present, and future. Right? And there's no taking that back. All we have to do is receive it. But it starts with that surrender. Right? Some of us have gotten so far away from surrender and forgiveness that we forget that we can we don't have to carry the shame on our shoulders so you want to be be obedient to god you want to be somebody who is a leader in their community in their homes in their workplaces it starts with forgiveness and grace that's obedience in the lord that's what love is that you look at all of these things right when when god calls you away from sin there is conviction in your heart and it's not to cause you shame it's supposed to tell you hey you can't do this by yourself let me take that from you and any shame after that you need to know that shame doesn't come from the lord you want to be obedient in christ you need to lay it down at god's feet and say this is not mine anymore i'm not carrying the shame anymore i'm free i am yours i am forgiven it's finished that's where it starts with grace and forgiveness in your own life and some of you know that and some of you just need to hear that again but it starts with all of this it starts with god calling you out of that place it starts with god telling you you're forgiven it starts with grace and love Jesus wants you to make you as righteous as him. So what do we do with that? Now that we realize that, what do we do next? I love the story of Joshua. Remember, Moses is taking the Israelites out of Egypt, right? He's taking them out of bondage. He's bringing them to freedom, right? And they're in the wilderness for 40 years until God tells them to move into the land of Canaan, the promised land, the land flowing of milk and honey. But we know that Moses, right, he disobeyed God and he sacrificed his, his time in the promised land. So he had to give the baton and hand it off to his boy Joshua. And Joshua took over. My boy Josh stepped up, right? And they entered the land of Canaan, the promised land, the land flowing of milk and honey, the land where they're going to be prosperous and grow and have all the food that they want, all the land they want. And they already start to complain, right? How many people know that we as humans were really good at making a good situation bad because we like to complain. We get jealous. We see something that somebody else has and we're like, we want that. So there are already complaining and starting a fuss, right? And Josh gets up to them and he looks at all of them and he says, listen, you guys can live whatever life you want. And that's true for you. You can live whatever life you want. You don't have to follow the Lord. You don't have to come to church. You don't have to tithe, right? You can do whatever you want in this life because you're free. But this is where he stands up and he makes this declaration. And I think some of us need to make this declaration. We've gone back to the basics. We remembered that there's grace, but now we have to make this declaration in our lives. He gets up and he says, you can serve whoever you want. 
But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I think there are some of us here who have one foot in and one foot out the door. We're kind of dedicated. We come to church sometimes. We tithe when we can. We're nice when we can. We pray when we can. We bring people to church sometimes. But if you want that future that I told you that I believe in here at the shores, a beacon of life, a place where people see Jesus, then we need to make this decision. You and I need to make this decision. Not just us as a whole. Each individual here at the church needs to make that decision. That we need to step up in our lives, no matter what our political agenda is, no matter what we believe about the COVID vaccine, no matter what we believe about gender equality, whatever it is, right? All these controversial and taboo things. Who cares? Let's set them aside, step up and say, as for me in my household, I will serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what your friends are doing. It doesn't matter what your aunt and uncle do, right? Or what they message you on Facebook. It doesn't matter for you specifically. Can you stand up and say, I will serve the Lord. I need people like that in my lives. The people of this world, the people of St. Clair Shores need people to step up and say, as for me and my household, I am making the declaration. I'm making this truth statement for everyone else to hear that I am going to serve the Lord. Can we do that, church? We don't need any more people in the church who are close-handed, who are not generous, who are not willing, who are not accepting, who are not loving, who are stuck in their way saying, this is how it's been done, and this is how it's going to happen. No, we need people to open up their hands and become generous. We need people who are going to be teachable. We need people who are going to give joyfully. We need unity. And how do you get there? It starts with grace, and it moves on to the place where you say, I am going to serve the Lord. So here's what's going to happen, church. If you're somebody who's watching this, there's going to be two prayers that I pray today. If you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, to say yes to the Lord, to give your sin away to somebody who is never failing, unwavering, strong and faithful. Here is your chance now. And here's the promise. It's not going to be a perfect life. It's not going to be a life where you never make mistakes or it's not going to be stressful. It's going to be a life that is directed by the one who made you perfect. So will you pray with me? If you're somebody, if you're somebody who wants to make that decision to make God the king of your heart, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand and pray with me. Repeat after me. Dear Lord, you are so good. You are so faithful. And right now, Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you. We acknowledge that you are king. We acknowledge that you are creator. And we ask that you forgive us for all of our sins 
and all of our mistakes. And we ask Jesus that you help us commit a life to following you. Bless my friends who are raising their hands this morning, Lord. Let them know they're loved and they're not alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Second part. If you're somebody who's sitting there who's abusing grace and you just keep doing things because you know that you're going to be forgiven and you know that God keeps forgiving you and you can just ask for forgiveness and you do your own thing. Listen, you can live your own life. You can make your own choices. You can come to church or you can even just go ahead and exit out of this YouTube video if this is getting too real for you. But let me speak to the people right now who want to take this seriously, who want to take this life to the next level that God has for them, who wants to stand up and be leaders in their homes, who wants to stand up and be leaders in their workplace, who wants to stand up and be leaders in their church. Let me speak to those people who know that they need to stand up and be leaders, who need to stand up and say yes to God. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes and stand with me. And I want you to repeat after me. I want you to repeat this phrase as loud as you can. Don't do it loud and obnoxious, but do it because you mean it. Do it because you see the value in it. Do it because you and your heart are making this decision. But say this with me. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. I feel like there are some people who still need to make this decision. Stand up with us because you're not alone. Say this with me. Ready? As for me and my household, I will serve the Lord. Let your neighbors hear it. Let people around you hear it, that you are declaring that you are serving the Lord. Say it with me one more time. As for me and my household, I will serve the Lord, will you pray with me? Jesus, right now, we are making that declaration that no matter what our family's doing, no matter what our friends are doing, no matter what is happening in this world, help us serve you, Jesus. We are here. We are available. We are yours, Lord. And Jesus, no matter what comes our way, any stress, any chaos, any catastrophe, Jesus, we know you're the author and protector of our faith, Jesus. So we are standing up with you and we are going to serve you, Lord. We we are going to stand with you, Lord. We are going to stand on your foundation. We are going to rely on your grace, your love, your truth, Jesus. The only thing that we can find, Lord, is Jesus Christ. The only real thing in this world is Jesus Christ, Lord. So let us stand with the only one who is never going to fail us, who is unwavering, who is truthful, bold, faithful, Jesus. We stand with you. And we ask this in your beautiful, awesome name. Amen. Come on, church. We love you so much. You are a part of our family. We couldn't do this without you. We'll see you next week.